yum nub. He chopped the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Hello and welcome to Yubcast. My name is Matt, and what? I'm the crime lord. He's supposed to pay me. And I'm Jamie, and I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. Mine was from Book of Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> yes. He was trying to pay. He was trying to figure out why Mayor McCheese wasn't paying him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the fact that he's a, a he's a kind of incompetent crime lord. That he doesn't really know what he's doing. Should he be shaking down certain people? Should he? I had a moment recently where I was like, "What crime does he control? Like, <laughs> yeah. like what crime is he actually controlling?" We can we can talk about Boba Fett in a second, but but what was your quote it, from? Oh, it's from Empire. It's where Luke tells uh, Yoda that he's not afraid to start the training, oh. and Yoda's good. You will be. Or, you will be. Or no, he says you will be. He doesn't say good. What's wrong with me? But, good quote. Good quote. Yeah. So, what have you what have you done that's Star Wars related lately? Well, we haven't recorded in a while, just because of work and schedules and Boy Scouts and COVID and all that crap that gets in our way. I've been doing a shit ton of High Republic stuff, Bounty Hunter comic book stuff, and Book of Boba Fett stuff. But I I, I think I think if we want to short like short circuit this conversation, I want to hear about what you think. About the book of Boba Fett, and just for audience purposes, we're recording this prior to the season series finale of Book of Boba Fett. We just got the second to last episode, which spoiler alert has Luke in it. What yeah. is what is your what is your impression of Book of Boba Fett? We'll put a spoiler I, alert warning on the episode. So yeah, so I love it. There's there's some that are definitely stronger episodes that are stronger than others. But overall, it's great. It feels more like a uh, some sort of like anthology, and maybe that's what it's meant to be. Where where it's just kind of like uh, the the Boba Fett story is just kind of the thing that binds a bunch of other Star Wars stuff together. So the Mandalorian stuff with Grogu and Luke, and then there's Ahsoka. There's him him being called an apostate for taking off his helmet by the loved it remaining Mandalorians. So if that's the way it's going to be, where it's just like it's an overall Boba Fett thing, and then it's just it's meant to kind of like I'm trying to think of movies where it's like where there is a kind of a main story, but that really wasn't the bulk of the movie. the The movie was just like the little side stories, kind of like Creepshow or like maybe Twilight like Zone, or like probably like Pulp Fiction, right? I mean, like it's like yeah. a collection. It's like a collection of things that are happening happening simultaneously, and they're raking it together into a plot. Let me ask you, let me ask you a few questions about your impressions about Boba Fett before I talk about mine. Did you expect to see Luke Skywalker in the book of Boba Fett? No. Did you expect to all. see Ahsoka in the book no, of Boba Fett? No, that surprised me. What about Din Djarin? I thought that there might be a possibility, but I thought that would be one of those those like nerdy fanboy things that you're like, gosh, this should happen, and then this should actually. It's like, no, that's that's stupid. That would not. They would not do that. I think um, we're pretty aligned on these expectations. I somewhat expected that the Mandalorian could or should show up in Boba Fett. I did not expect Grogu, Soka, Luke to show up. Yeah, or the Jedi Temple. Or the Jedi Temple, right? Yeah, I was mildly shocked. You know, we've had this conversation before, where I, I crave sort of a Jedi-less story, mm-hmm. like a story where the Force isn't 
a going concern. Oh my god, we were talking about this earlier. It said like every Star Wars thing, there's always been the Force a little bit, and they hadn't shown the Force. Yeah, we we talked about it a day before that episode, right? It's just not there, and we were, you and I both were mildly excited that maybe they were they weren't going to do this, and they almost didn't do it in Solo, but they had to stick it in at the end. But now it's now that I've seen it, I was like, well. I think I texted you, just make a Luke Jedi Temple series now. Mm-hmm. Like they can a, totally they it, can totally do it. It I looks mean, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, um, they said everybody's been saying Sebastian Stan, and he looks a lot like young Mark Hamill. He, he, all they have to do is just slowly transition Mark Hamill and the, the, the stunt, I guess the guy who plays him, I don't know his name. And then the voice with Sebastian Stan. So eventually you're just like another series. And all of a sudden, um, Don Cheadle is playing uh, Rhodey. It's just all of a sudden it's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's always been this way. Has it? I don't know. You could do it gradually. Your, your point is perfect, right? You could do it gradually enough to where you can get away with switching out the actor. But right now what they're doing is perfect. Yeah. Right? He, he looks so much better and sounds so much better. Than he did at the end right. of the uh, season two of The Mandalorian, which I had heard that there was somebody who did a cut of it in YouTube, and then he actually actually got hired. Yeah, they did. Someone had gone back through and did a deep fake of Hamill and the end of the Mandalorian season two, and he had been hired by Disney because of the deep fake. Deep fake being the, the the software that is used to sub out faces. And presumably, I, I have not looked this up, but presumably they're using that technology now, or he's somehow an art director doing this now. That, but it looks fucking amazing. Yeah, that's that's great, but that's going to encourage every other dipshit to think that they can monetize, <laughs> uh, or or their or their moron podcast about Star Wars. Whoops. Uh, for example, um, we're for sale. Yes, one hundred percent. I will totally play a gonk droid. I'll pay. I'll play less than a gonk droid. I'll pay. I'll. I'll play one of Amy Sedaris's pit droids. Yeah, Dude, I'll, I'll just. I'll just be a guy in the jeans. <laughs> the guy in the jeans. <laughs> but, um, oh, no. Yeah, uh, from, no just they, from just from a just so everyone knows from a point from a, a point of view, I think Jamie and I are both pretty pretty excited about what's happened on Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett, or I think I recently described it on our Twitter feed as a Star Wars anthology show, where every Wednesday we get a great Star Wars story. Yeah, and Boba Fett he, may or may not be in it, but I am on board. I don't give a fuck, and they've they've they've, they've shown him do some cool stuff. There's going to be some cool stuff in the season finale, but if there is a second season, do we do we even know that? It seems we like don't. they're built. Yeah, it seems like they're building up to something. But it seems like they're going to have to jam a lot into the the finale. We're trailblazing into live action Star Wars miniseries, right? So we had the Mandalorian mm-hmm. a couple couple of seasons. It was wildly successful. This year we're going to get Book of Boba Fett, which is almost over. Kenobi and or and Mandalorian season three as live action. Bad Batch season two as animation with knowledge that Ahsoka is coming on the heels of all of this, mm-hmm. right? And so Ashley, or not Ashley Eckstein, but Rosario Dawson showing up in Book of Boba Fett with Mandalorian as Ahsoka was huge to me because I want to know what, what they're going to do there. Yeah, to see her with Luke. I mean, that's been something oh I've been God. wanting to see a long time. 
I want to see what happens before then too. I want her to talk to see her talk with Luke. Give us, fucking, give us this fucking novel. We have yeah. to hear what she tells Luke, right? Where they're talking and she's crying and hugging and shit. And I, I, I know that that's kind of like that. This is us sort of TV show that, that how would they call it? The sadness porn, where it just makes you feel storylines that just make you feel sad. But this is like, I want that. I, I want to see their first interactions where she finds out about Luke. She finds out that Anakin was redeemed at the end. You know, just just all of all of that. I I want it. And yes, all Star and, Wars is sadness porn. <laughs> and they could do the, the fucking Luke show. It could be like the new Clone Wars. They just don't. It doesn't have to be super long, like the Clone Wars. But you could have somebody like Sebastian Stan, who he's a great actor and he looks a lot like Mark Hamill he could totally pull it off. He also looks he also looks crazy like Tommy Lee in that movie. But but just have him with him with Ben and a few of the other Jedi from from the, the school. Comic. Yeah. yeah. And, ha- and we talked about this before have Knights of Ren be a periodic enemy because in the the the, the Rise of Kylo Ren comic they they face them when he's been still his student. The reality, the reality is, is that people would watch an eight-episode series of Luke just doing Jedi shit with a bunch of kids. Yeah, it doesn't even. There doesn't even have to be a villain. Add a villain, sure, that makes sense. People would fucking watch it, right? And if you want to do it, do it, right? I think, I think him showing up in Book of Boba Fett is them kind of teasing like, it well feeling it's, the waters. it's either it's I, yeah it's feeling the waters i think rather than teasing it it's them trying to see like would the fandom tolerate more luke and holy shit the reaction is i need luke oh yeah like, show show me skywalker at his peak and i am i am one of the i am not a sequel hater and i don't think you are either but no but i would devour anything that they gave us about post return of the jedi luke post mandalorian luke show us when leia hands off that 12 year old ben to luke Mm -hmm. show us that that moment you can do it you have the technology you can you you, you're demonstrating that that there's an appetite there that you have the technology to do it and that there is no barrier to you showing us with the Corrin jedi and the half a dozen other jedi that were in his temple at the point when Ben turned into Kylo Ren. Show us Luke's insecurity. Show us his fall. Mm-hmm. We that is something that I think when I first read the fall of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, I think I texted you and I said, "Why didn't we get this on film?" Yeah, and you can do for Ben what the Clone Wars TV show did for Anakin. Make Ben a sympathetic character that you understand yes. why he why he's just went straight to the knights of ren he was so a uh, combination of luke luke uh, screwing up you can already tell spoilers like from like how he's talking about grogu and talking to grogu that he's already fa- he's already falling into a trap of, of binary decisions i think the this episode that we re- witnessed a few days ago uh, at the time of this recording demonstrates one of the principles of Luke that we need to understand is that Luke is not great at his job of making a new Jedi Order. 
he is falling into the like, you can't have attachments shit. Yeah. And you can't you can't do this thing. It's like I've seen a lot of like chatter on Twitter with people saying just let Ezra train Grogu, everything's gonna be fine. Ezra is a Jedi who has attachment. Yeah. Like he's Luke has attachment. That. Yes. He, Luke he does. trains his nephew. <laughs> so there's gotta so there's gotta be something's off and I trust Filoni and Fevro and the rest of the the writers there. Oh. Yeah, all of it's all of it's going to fall into place. I think. Yeah, make Ben. He comes from a fucking rich ass family. There's been books that make it sound like he was kind of troubled, like they that to where they had to. At a certain point, Luke had to train him because he was just. I don't say he's like a handful, and it wasn't like military school for him, but it was just like he needed to be trained because he was just he was so powerful in the Force. I don't know what they're gonna do with with Grogu and the Mandalorian, but I think. I think it becomes uh, a bigger issue with with Ben, right? What do you do with Ben if Ben is acting out, if he's a problem child, or if he's using the Force in ways that are not appropriate? And Leia's like, oh, please, you have to train him how to control this. And the thing is, what you can do, and this would be fucking great, is have the have a show, like, flash forward it, to a few years, Luke's got a beard, not like the big scraggly beard like he had in Last Jedi, but he's got a beard. He's a little bit older. Have an episode or an episode arc where when Leia gets doxxed in Bloodline, have that. Yes. Have yes. Ben find out from just watching a fucking hollow. And he's just, what? It's a gap. It's a gap fuck? in Bloodline, right? Because it's mm-hmm. told from Leia's point of view. She tries to reach out to Luke. And Ben, and she can't get through. Mm-hmm. And so they leave it blank. Yes, do this. I fucking love this idea. Yeah, and then have the slow, the slow thing of Snoke or Palpatine, whatever. And that can they can always they can do some stuff with that to help that make a little bit more sense. Sorry, that's the one thing Star Wars is good at is just doing fucked up shit that you're just kind of like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. And then coming back with quality stuff, filling it in, and then making you think, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, the prequels don't look so bad now, given time, and that there's right. the Clone Wars, and things that kind of filled in the spaces. We're like, oh, yeah, I, I can understand these people's motivations now. Versus just, all of a sudden, Anakin just going batshit crazy. Right. And so, so my... My rewrite of this section would be Ben finds out that he's Darth Vader's grandchild and then the voices start in his head. Yeah. And so and then have everybody start treating them him differently because they would. Absolutely you know, they would, right? You know, because if, now if they're I, afraid he's going to become Vader. Yeah, if I if you know, if I, if I found out that a coworker was coworker or I have to say coworker cuz I'm not in school anymore was like the son or the relative of some horrible person i would try to be nice but at the same time i'd be like i'm not getting so close to you anymore so that could be isolating to him and then it's the granddaughter of mussolini on twitter defending mussolini she thinks that she has to but but then she ends up in a flame war with jim carrey somehow <laughs> right this shit happens and okay smoking or hanging keeping the trains on time that's the that's the one thing they said that he was good at. Yeah, well, fuck him uh, because keeping the trains on yeah, time he, doesn't he, justify genocide. He died in the streets like a dog, like he should have. Yeah, he he was hung by his ankles, and people yeah. could walk by with a bat and hit him in the head. So fuck that guy. Yeah, and fuck all fascists, by the way. Yeah, fuck, and their sympathizers. 
Yeah, but it reminds me the, the that patch that I got you. Yes. <laughs> This machine kills fascists. <laughs> yeah, so I got I got it from a. Well, let's describe it real story. quick. It's it's an X-wing, X-wing on a circular patch, and it says this machine kills fascists. It's a Arlo Guthrie quote. He wrote it on his guitar. Sorry, go ahead and do the plug. Yeah, well, just to um, they're not friends of the pod, but it's a pod that I listen to. It's a podcast called A Hell of a Way to Die. It's a kind of a little bit more lefty podcast by two veterans. And they're pretty funny, and they talk a lot of just like army shit. One's a former infantry officer, one's a current reservist, and it's pretty funny if you're in the military. It's they tell a lot of military stories that just like if you've in the military or been in the military, you're just like, oh yeah, that's shit. So it's it's cool. And they, I just looked at their store, and they had that, and I was just like, oh, Matt would love this. So I'll post a yeah. I'll post a photo of the patch on our on our Twitter feed at Yubcast and I'll link to them their social media or whatever they have up. But I love it. It's very funny and I, it was a very good Christmas present for me. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you for the you gave me the uh, C3PO from Droids. It's it's right next to the 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 cell of the Ewoks wrestling. Do you want to move on to the Visions review? Oh, Sorry. man, I could fucking talk. Okay, okay, let's do this, and we can go back. <laughs> this, is, um, this, is our, this is our Visions. This is the end of our Visions run. So we're yeah. going to we're going to finish up Visions today. It's no secret, if you listen to the podcast, that Jamie and I have not been a huge fan of Visions. It's been hit or miss, and more misses than hits. But we're, we're going to do the final episode today, which I think is pronounced Akiri-e? Akakiri. Akakiri. Okay. No, and it's not, well, I mean, Kaka sounds appropriate, but Kakiri. Akakiri. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm just, we're just going to, we're just going to transition to that and we're going to do that real quick. And then we're going to do our visions wrap up and then we'll talk about what we're going to do, what we're going to do next for the podcast. Dude, I made, I made a, I made my white trash drink. I don't have any more of the, the flavored uh, Malibu rum. So I just used uh, citron uh, vodka that's been sitting in our uh, stand up freezer. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I filled up half the mason jar with vodka and and ice and then put a little bit of flavoring in it so i, I don't know what the hell i was thinking <laughs> all right so we gotta do this on fast the floor by the end of this <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do this fast so akakiri is the ninth episode and final episode of the first season of star wars visions we don't know if they're going to do more but star wars, star wars visions was an anthology series where multiple studios made cartoon shorts in a non-canon fashion of Star Wars. And so this one was made by Science Sorrow, which is the studio that produced the previous episode TOB1, which we described mostly as the Pinocchio story. Yeah. You can you can refer back to our previous episode about TOB1. Usually at the top of these review episodes I highlight some cast. And so Henry Gold did the voice of the Jedi Tuzbaki. Who... It's Sue. It's like Su- a, kind of like a, it's pronounced as T the T S is like a Z sound. Sure. I I speak Russian, I should know this well enough. Tsubaki. He previously no, Tsubaki's right. Yeah. Sorry, I was just saying Chewbaki. But I'm I'm getting drunk, so we're all, we're all I, I laugh at, I I, laugh at childish I pre-game, things. I, I pre-game this thing a lot. My wife's out of town. I've been drinking most of the evening. But Chewbacca, Chewbacca, 
um, <laughs> appeared in uh, Crazy uh, Henry Golding, who plays Tsubaki, appeared in Crazy Rich Asians, The Gentleman, and Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe movie. I've not seen the G.I. Joe movies, but they're relatively popular. Don't. Well, whatever. Keon Young plays a Kamachi. He's one of the guides in the English language version. He plays. He previously played a Commander Sato in the Rebel series. He's like the one of the leaders of the Rebel cells that are constantly interacting with with Hera. Um, yeah, the that character was the the uncle of the main pilot, like Mart. Yes. What was that guy's name? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember his name, but he was the pilot on the. The ship that was supposed to be what's his face? The ship, Calcutan ship? No. What, yeah. One of No, yeah. It's 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 the same style. His name's I, I keep on wanting to say Matt Martin, but that's a player for the Islanders. Right. So, but it was like Mart something. It was right. it was an anagram for somebody's name. Yeah. Oh my God, Mart Matten. Is that yeah, right? I was right. Yeah. It's it, it was a um. Sorry. Okay, let me just behind the scenes. That's okay. Oh, he, he was named. He was named. He was named after Matt Martin, a member of the Lucas Story Group. Yeah, but I think of Matt Martin, the the guy who beats the shit out of people in the Islanders. There you go. The Islanders are a hockey team. For those who don't know. Yeah, uh, good good gut check for our audience. Yes, um, we're not just nerds. We like sports stuff too. Especially your family, you like hockey. So George Takei, the voice of Sulu, or the char- the actor who played Sulu on Star Trek, is also in this episode, and he plays the voice of Senshu, one of the guides. He's also been in Star Wars before as the voice of the Nemodian Lock Durd in the Clone Wars episode, Defenders of Peace. And he is very recognizable in that episode. Oh my god. Did Okay, just to sidetrack just a little bit, the we both finished the... Um, the latest book from the High Republic. Yeah, we didn't talk about High Republic at all today, but yeah, let's yeah. do this. So in the audiobook, there's a droid Bel Zedifar uses to communicate to the outside world. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays he plugs it he plugs him into kind of this power thing, so he gets overloaded. And I think it's Mark Thompson, the the narrator, made him sound exactly like like it was a character caricature of Georgia Kai because his he was just going like, oh my, oh my. Did you catch that? It, it's so obviously a reference to him. And and it's perfect for that series of books, right? Yeah. Because they're, like, they have Leox say, like, all right, all right, all right. And he's he's stylized after Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And the, the other droid was Andy Dick. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed that. Oh, God. <laughs> Star Wars is supposed to be fun, everybody. Yeah, it's supposed to be silly and entertaining. There's a there's a rock. There, there, there's, a, there, there's, there's a rock named Geo. He's a, a Ventian, and at one point, a guy comes up and starts yelling at one of the characters, saying that he's tired of her crewmate hitting on his wife. And you think, oh, it's Leox, the guy who's supposed to be kind of like a Star Wars Matthew McConaughey. He's like, no, he's talking about Geode, the rock. And there's just so many little gags in that book about Geode, just like a poon hound, and he's on the prowl. It's just, it's so funny. The whole, I, you know, the whole Geode thing in that series of, especially in that last book in Fallen, Fallen Star, it is endlessly funny, right? Because it's like something terrible is happening, and someone's gasping, and it's like Geode stands by silently. 
<laughs> it's just like like constant. It is constant, and it is hilarious. Yeah, like when Gio's there, he's too struck with grief. Just stuff like that. There's like it, but it, it's good because it, it it's funny. Fucking works. It fucking works. It works, and it doesn't take you out of it. All of a sudden, he's just there, and then he's not there, <laughs> and it's, just like it's supposed to be fun, right? Like this is what people people on like Star Wars Twitter forget. Like it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be fun. And and Geode is the embodiment of this fun, right? Geode stands silently contemplating like what to do next. It's like yes, he's a fucking rock. <laughs> he's supposed to be silent. He's like hitting on a woman, and she's like not reacting. Like she's reacting to his like his stoicism. Yeah, he's stoic because he's a rock. <laughs> It's fucking good. It's fucking hilarious. I love it. It's just the character. She's she's just like, oh geez, like he's on the prowl. This is a regular problem with a rock. He's going around it and hitting on every woman he finds. <laughs> it's so good. All right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna do a lot. We're probably gonna do a wrap up of phase one. We're gonna wrap up a book of Boba Fett. Probably wrap up of phase one. High Republic, but today we're gonna we're gonna power through our review of Visions. One more cast member to focus on. There's a woman named Lorraine Troussant who plays the Sith Lord in the episode, and she was also in Selma, Orange is the New Black, and Point of No Return. She had a bit part in a bit part in a movie I love called Hudson Hawk. Oh my god. Yeah, Hudson Hawk. Like, blast from the fucking past, right? Yeah, that was Bruce Willis movie that went, like, in nowhere. It's Bruce Willis before Bruce Willis was Bruce Willis, right? Yeah. Fucking look it up, guys. Um, yeah. So she's right around she's, moonlighting time. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, so she's been working for 30 plus years. She's an amazing actor. Look up Lorraine Troussant. She's been in a shit ton of stuff. Anything you want to talk about cast or... No, no, I'm, I'm good. All right. So we'll launch right into the plot summary. Please interrupt me as much as you need to. So the show opens up with a crash happening. It appears like a B-wing is crashing onto a planet. We cut to a herd of animals approaching with riders on board. And a man with a lightsaber who makes short work of the group. He's clearly clearly under attack from these mounted riders. A man named Tsubaki stands holding a blade. He has a vision. The vision is very short and nondescript. He is overcome and attacked. And eventually is saved by a barrage of arrows. You know, they never, they never got into the B-Wing. Yeah, I wish we could talk about where he was coming from. We don't we don't know where Tsubaki, where his origin is, or who he works for, or anything. It's barely implied that he's inside the B wing at all. Mm-hmm. I just assume that he is from the context clues. All right. So sometime in the future, he awakes with a band of people, a woman and two men. Tsubaki, the man with the lightsaber, is shocked and states that he couldn't imagine that a Sith could hide among the royal family and that he came to assist the moment he found out. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's very, um, sorry, very kind of Star Wars-y vibes. I mean, I know this is Star Wars, but it's just like Palpatine. Palpatine hid in plain sight. Right. He asked the princess if she intends to fight the Sith Lord, and she sort of leaves it hanging, although she implies that she is willing to fight. So we cut to uh, cut again. It's the future. And the group of the princess, the Jedi, and the two guides are traveling through a valley. The woman says the Jedi helped her in the past, five years ago when they were attacked. Chewbacca asks if the other two guides are needed since they cannot fight. The princess says that she's in exile, and so she needs the guides to basically smuggle her through the checkpoints and to show her the way back to her homeland. Chewbacca agrees that the guides can come, but he insists that they be quiet and they do not comply. I don't quite... There's a... Yeah. A large yeah, portion guys... of the short, sorry, a large portion of the short cartoon takes place with them traveling, and these guys don't seem to be up to the task of getting them to where they want to go. go ahead. They're they're your stereotypical anime dum dums, I guess. They're just um, there for kind of comic relief. They help move the plot forward a little bit, but they're pretty much worthless. But they're but they're not quite like C three PO and R two, right? They're they're almost less important than those characters. Yeah, I mean there's been there's been other characters like that. In I can't think of the Visions ones now, but like an, another anime that I've seen and I've not compared to like the amount of anime that's out there, I have not seen a lot. There are these characters that are just they're cowardly, they pretty much act stupid and greedy, but they they kind of help move the plot forward. And they're kind of comic relief because they're so, I guess, so stupid and cowardly. And they always end up bungling things. Yeah. So the, these guys are clearly there to f- fulfill this sort of loose cannon aspect of the story to increase the stakes without actually increasing the stakes. So they come to a checkpoint and they bribe their way through, establishing their value. But then later the guides realize that they're surrounded and the Jedi recommends that they, rather than go through another checkpoint where they don't think they're going to make it, that they cut through the mountains. But these guides say that the mountains are cursed and they will not follow due to the danger of the curse. And so the princess effectively increases their pay so they'll continue. I know the pay thing doesn't jive with this, but I got very much like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Vibes from this? Yeah, we've talked about Lord... You and I have talked about Lord of the Rings a lot. More than we normally would have in the past two weeks-ish. But I I would agree with that assessment here. Mithril armor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Grogu. But yeah. But you can find that on our other uh, podcast, Lord of the Star Wars casts. Coming soon. <laughs> I'm not going to edit a second podcast. I should say a no. third podcast. No, my, my son can do that. That That's the one where we're clean. Yeah, there we go. We, we, we don't swear at all. Fucking A. <laughs> so, so they decide to go through the mountains after the princess increases their pay. There's a huge storm and it is blinding. The group continues, exhausted, but one of the guides is lost. The Jedi Tsubaki goes back even though the other guide says he is lost forever. He says that basically is it is his fate to get lost. There is no reason to go back, but the Jedi goes back anyway. The group is hiding, 
and Tsubaki returns with the Lost Guide, and the princess pays them for tra- transversing the more perilous path. So Tsubaki, Tsubaki has another vision, and his vision is of death. So this Jedi character who who sort of has like a beard and like a Cad Bane hat on, like a big wide brim hat, mm-hmm. he keeps having these visions, and the visions are not very descript. But as the short episode progresses, you get more and more details of these visions. And it's basically of him fighting something and that something dying. At this point, they're at the city and they create a distraction by setting bales of hay on fire and throwing them down a hill. And basically the guides are doing this to draw the guards away from the, the gates of the city. I really like the design of these guards. They looked very Star yeah. Wars-y and at the same time like Japanese. They're, they've got these like red helmets on with these black stripes on them. It's fucking beautiful. I love it. The, the helmets reminded me of something, but I can't think of what it is. I mean, maybe it's like Isaac Clarke's helmet from Dead Space. The, yeah, the, um... that's close. I, it's something It's something like, it was almost like Guavian Death Gang shape with the Isaac stripes on it. I'm, I'm at, Matt, I am surprised that you know who Isaac Clarke is. Have, have you played those? Vaguely familiar. Oh, you need to play those games. They'll freak you the fuck out. From a design so, from a design aesthetic, I'm very familiar, but from a gameplay aesthetic, I am not. Oh yeah, you could probably find it super cheap. And so the guides are setting the bales of hay on fire, and the princess and the Jedi enter the city. So the Jedi has a flashback, or sorry, a flashback starts between the princess and the Jedi. He says that her father is upset; his daughter has disappeared. The princess wants to bring peace to her world. This is sort of establishing like what her motivation is for this conflict that's that's being set up. Back mm-hmm. in the present, the Jedi and the princess are confronted with the king's sister, whose name is Masago. She has taken control of the kingdom, and she orders the others to leave. They refuse, and she lunges at the Jedi, brandishing her red lightsabers, and the Jedi and now the Sith sister Masago start a duel. His lightsaber is blue, hers is red. She is strong. Yeah, it's it's something I'm trying to think where I've seen this before where they say goodbye to a character and then you see them see them brought back and they're just beaten to shit. So the sister says her brother was supposed to die, it was fate. Masago tries to reason with them, saying that there's nothing they could have done. The Jedi is exhausted from the battle. She appeals to the dark side. She says that it it is his destiny to join her. And he uh, has a vision that he joins the dark side. This is part of his continuous visions that he's having. Mm -hmm. His vision includes a master saying that he can't engage in the fight, that he will lose and fail to the dark side. And so we're seeing the past at some point where his master, his Jedi master, basically says, don't engage. If you do do so, you will lose. He refuses to heed this warning and attacks. We return to him sort of in a fugue state, 
slashing through guards, but one of those guards was the princess he was protecting, and so he watches this this woman that we've seen him with for the past ten minutes, protecting, establishing that he has a history with, that he has previously defended. He kills her with his lightsaber. This is the best part of this episode. I didn't really care for this episode all that much, but this is the best part. I thought this was so clever. I am 100% with you. This is this is the moment that rescues this for me. I, I don't know if it rescues it rescues the episode for you, but this this moment where he kills her 100% rescues it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't do it all the way for me, but this was so cool. This was such that was that was so that was such a cool idea. I, I'm I was really I was I was surprised. It's 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 such a road to perdition idea, right? You are on this path, and even if you have knowledge of this path, you will still fail. Mm-hmm. You will still fall victim to your fate, your destiny, your whatever. It is inevitable. You mm-hmm. will you will do this thing, and it will ruin you. Masago, the Sith Lord, tells him without power he is nothing, and he can gain power by becoming her apprentice. She appeals to his lust for order and his need to protect the princess. Masago shows him how to heal the princess using the dark side. They save the princess together, and Tsubaki becomes Masago's apprentice. The princess, now revived, asks what he has done and replies, he's done what has to be done. Yeah, Tsubaki leaves with Masago. This is the end. This is so much like this last part is essentially Revenge of the Sith. If it's fucking beautiful, (laughs) if Palpatine had actually known how to save Padme and helped him save Padme, and then he he's forced to leave her. I I felt the end was a bit rushed. All of a sudden, oh, we're going to conquer the galaxy. He's like, all right, okay, sure. And they leave on like a Star Destroyer, but I thought they were just on that planet. Did you no- notice anything about the, the castle they were in? I did not. It's the Jedi Temple missing the spires. The the city is? or No, the the castle, the, the, the fortress that they, they go to that they end up at the end. I, I completely missed that. That is amazing to me. I'm going to I'm gonna have to rewatch it to, to see that. But that is, that is incredible. Yeah, I, I don't know about the inside so much, but the outside is amazing. It's amazing. the Jedi Temple. I love I love when these things are quoting Star Wars. Like like that is that is a really great pull. I totally missed it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that reminds me of the, the Boba Fett thing that I was gonna say that that I was saving for the for our recording. Damn it. Completely fucked that up. What is it? In the bar when Din goes to talk to Cobb Vanth, inside of the bar is the rib cage of the crate dragon. Oh, I did see that in they they sort of set that up because the the Jawas had the head mm-hmm. or the skull, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I, when you go in when you go in the bar, you can see the ribs like it's a fucking Flintstones episode. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess that wasn't that big of a shocker to you. So. No, no, it's a good poll. But let's do our thing real quick because I I do okay. want to get I do want to get to it. Yeah. Okay. Let's um, do it. What do you think about this episode? Is there any? Like all of them, it has a bright spot. Even the ones I I detested, they all had one bright spot that I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And that was the, like, he just decides that he's just cutting down all the guards, and all of a sudden, one of them was the princess. So he inadvertently killed the princess, which kind of did the whole 
self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing. I thought that was cool. Otherwise, I didn't care for it that much. I mean, not really, not at all, actually. But like the the temple callback, the 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 B wing. I mean, that was cool. But I just I did I just didn't care for it. It's just there's there's kind of a style to anime, and there's certain things that always seem like they just there's a certain checkboxes that you have to fill. It's not just the style of animation, but what has to happen in it, you know, and it checks those boxes. And I just don't, I don't care for that. I don't, I don't care. I don't care for it at all. So um, I guess, I guess my opinion of it is that that sort of fog of war vision where he is acting on his instincts and fulfills the prophecy saves the whole episode for me and I, I know that's your favorite part but it doesn't save the episode but for me it, it really it makes something that's wildly mediocre to something that's exceptional yeah all of these episodes especially this one except for the very end where they fly off into a starship they talk about jedi when they're really talking samurai and i know that's what the jedi were kind of supposed to be but they're really just samurai. Like he's like a he's a, kind of like a ronin, I guess you'd say. And it's not it doesn't have that that Jedi feel of like 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 noble like warrior monks because like the the character Baki he he's a prick for the entire episode. You know that's not yeah, how Jedi are supposed to be. He's not sympathetic at all. No. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, it was all right. It had a, that saving thing, so that that made it at least like, oh, that's kind of cool in my mind. But otherwise, I'm I still didn't really care for it. It's not going to be something I watch again, at least not for a while. Now's the time in the episode where we rank an episode. We uh, rank episodes by our patent pending trademark uh, way of assigning a Star Wars character to an episode. So a really great episode would be an orig- original trilogy character like Vader. Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, etc. A really bad one would be, I don't know, like that flea from the Legends, the that Luke Skywalker book that claims that he was the one who did everything. The Gerberius Moat should be our standard. Yes, it's it's awful. So that character, which is just like loathsome in every way, and you just wish that you, you just want to pretend it didn't exist in Star Wars. So Matt, who's your character? For this episode, I've been I've been trying to pick Legends characters for non-canon material, but I think today I'm going to pick Valorum. Chancellor Valorum. Yep, Chancellor Valorum. Venus, Finis, or Venus Valorum, depending on what pronunciation you're using. Valorum is the the Chancellor who preceded Palpatine. He was an ineffectual, albeit important dignitary, who. <laughs> Who, yeah, I, good. I remember I I was at a, a comic con and yeah. I saw the I, I I was walked by a vendor that was selling action figures and there was a Valorum from Episode One action figure. We still don't and, have it. And and I sent something to you for like for all your as like for all your I wasn't like political intrigue because that was that'd be too much fun. But for all your your delegating action. Or something. It was just like Chancellor of Lore. I'm like, ooh, big deal. E- even the original trilogy characters that when they just made everybody in the cantina, they gave made him an action figure. They gave them at least a blaster. I don't think he had a blaster. 
I'm still waiting for you to send me a Chancellor of Lore action figure for our, our collection. Okay. We don't All have right, one. Yeah, fine. And next time you see one, just it'll be my Christmas present or something. Yeah, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, we don't have one there. So that, that's my rating. This episode is part of a series. It is ineffectual. It is missing some pieces that I wish were there. But sure. I'm glad it's here. Uh, yeah. What do, you, what do you rate it? Yeah, so um, I'm giving it a Darth Bandon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Darth Bandon, but he was one of the bosses from the original Knights of the Republic game. He was Darth Malak's apprentice. You go through him pretty quickly. He's not that difficult of a boss. So he's just kind of like, yeah, he's dark side, but you can defeat him really easily. He's... It's nothing. He's he's nothing. He does make an appearance in the, the Old Republic uh, RPG, or at least his head does. So I'm just giving it him, so it's kind of like going with the dark side theme, but he's really nothing. He's just something you just true through to get to the next thing, which is stuff we actually want to watch, which is Clone Wars. Yep. And so since we're through, through with that, and great, great poll, I... For the record, I do know who Darth Bandon is. He's on my list of custom action figures that I'm supposed to make with my kids because they they love um, the High Republic stuff. This is Old Republic, Matt. My bad. Not High Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Old Republic, yourself, not High Republic. I'm sorry. Go throw yourself in a volcano for for that egregious. Error. I'm on beer five for this <laughs> recording. The fact that you can answer your answer to your name when I say Matt. He's like, I think he's talking to you. I think he's talking to you. We're, we do want to we do want to wrap up our our overall impressions of visions on this episode, even though we're a little long on recording. I wanted to get your your top three, and if you don't want to go first, I can give my top three. All right. So I'll, my top three, in no particular order, is the duel, the village bride, and it's between. The Ninth Jedi and the Elder. I, I guess the Elder. So the Elder, the Village Bride, and the Duel. So I would... I'm going to give a top four. And I'm going to throw in the Ninth Jedi on on my top four with your, your three. Because I think I was very much in line with you. First of all, I think I enjoyed this this experiment in animation more than you did. But I think I think from a plot point of view, the Duel... The Village Bride, the Elder, and the Ninth Jedi were all head and shoulders above the rest, as far as Star Wars stories. Mm-hmm. I would give honorable mention to Tatooine Rhapsody, which I know you hated, and today's thing that we reviewed, Akira Kiri. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't hate because hate leads to the dark side. Yeah. Hate I leads just... to suffering. Suffering leads to pain. Pain leads to dark side. Close enough. Whatever. I, I don't want to be that guy that. Uh... We watched all of them. We reviewed all of them. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that we liked. So, so if I can, if I can just ping you, what about the duel did you like? I like the animation style of it. The yeah, I, I think it's just the animation style. There's there's parts of it that I didn't care for all that much, but I really liked just it looking like an old shitty samurai movie black and white samurai movie that you would back in the day when tvs were still in black and white we're old enough to have stayed home when we're sick and had a black and white tv right 
to where it comes when they show the duel. It's really grainy and bad. It was like they purposely made it poorly. Well, there's been kind of like satires of the 70s uh, exploitation movies. There's a great movie called uh, Black Dynamite where at one point there's a microphone that just kind of comes, <laughs> comes into play and all of a sudden it's gone. Or the the Knights of Sidonia music video from uh, Muse that was purposely shitty. At one point you see the casting, you see the crew. So I, I like the fact that they did it. They put that touch of just making it like shitty looking. They made it chunky on purpose. Yeah. Can we talk about the Village Ride then? Because we both yeah. agreed that this was a good one. I... I, I just want to start off by saying I think this is a solid Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. I love the Jedi who's only known as F. Her ability or her journey to sort of go from I'm hiding to no fuck these fascists. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to do something. I fucking love this episode. I I think it's wonderful. Yeah, because it could fit directly into canon if it had to. There's nothing that super contradicts anything. Exactly. It is a perfect slot in. She, You could make her a believable Order 66 survivor. They imply it in the episode. They're her master skilled by Palpatine. And she she's just on the run and just has enough. I love the episode, mm-hmm. personally. I think it's, it's perfect from a Star Wars Jedi point of view. It, it is wonderful. What about the Elder? You want to lead off? The Elder, I just liked it because it kind of just dealt with the Sith... Because I, I just I find the Sith so the whole idea is so interesting. Like they're just like the ancient enemy of the Jedi. They they kind of finally made them canon as they were former Jedi who broke off. I don't know, I just love the idea of the Sith and just like it's just like some just just the Sith who just I mean he tears through like the Master and the Jedi. He's I mean he ends up losing, but he he. He, he really fucks their shit up before he finally dies. Yeah, he, he ends up losing, but you have the impression maybe he could have won. Yeah, and he's also part of something big, too, because he, like, he covers his tracks. Exactly. And so the last, last episode I want to talk about is the episode we talked about today, Akirakiri. Akirakiri-Lazan, down the road yeah. that I must travel. But the reason why, the reason why I, I really appreciated this episode is because of that turn. At the end, he's a victim of his own visions, and then he can't help but fulfill the reality of those visions. Oh, yeah. That I love. I, I always love a good time travel movie that yes. has an inescapable fate. You... So It's so perfect in those terms. of You said it perfectly. Inescapable fate. He is going through the actions of he thinks that are righteous and correct, and it leads him exactly into his folly. Yeah, Terminator is probably the best example. There's a um, lesser-known movie called Predestination. I highly recommend watching that movie. If you don't feel like you've just been punched in the gut at the end of that movie, I, I don't. I question if you're human. I will watch it. I have not seen that movie, but I will watch it based on your recommendation. It's great. I but yeah, just the just the idea that no matter what you do, you think you're making the right choice. It's the name of the movie, Predestination. When we've had discussions about religion, and, and is it Calvinism that believes in everything's predestination or yes. predefined? That's Calvinism. That I've had, you know, people try to convince me of their beliefs and religions, and I'm just I'm doing it. Faith, if, if everything's written, my I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't stop it. So why should I try? 
not not to inject some weird, crazy religious stuff, but it's just that idea of no matter what you do, you're actually going in the direction when you think you're not, oh, I'm definitely not going to do this. I'm definitely not going to do this. So you make sure you don't, you inadvertently do it or, you, or your your actions create the, that event. Yeah, you, um, you, you generate the reality that's been yeah. preordained for you. Yeah, there's, it a, is, there's a lot it is of... Offensive, it is offensive from a free will point of view, but from a story point of view, from a storytelling point of view, it is wildly effective. Yeah, there's a uh, EA makes some games like this, but there's a, a company that I think they just—I'm not ex- exactly sure what their deal was. They went under, and then they came back called Telltale Games, where you have to make decisions. It's—it's it's not so much action-based, but it's decision-based. So you make decisions you think are right because you want the best outcome. You you don't unless you've played and, and gone all the way to the end you don't know what the outcome is, so you're making this best decision. So what you think is the best decision, end of the game you could find out that was the worst possible decision you make could possibly have made, like and but at the at the right time you're thinking that oh I'm gonna save this person or I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do that it's the worst you, you end up with a terrible outcome. That's just something that I could just I can't get enough of. It's like uh, like salted caramel. It's just it's just so awesome. I I just love that. You think you're doing the right thing? Nope, <laughs> you're not at all. You're you're just following fate. You can't escape it. All right. So should we talk about what we're going to do next? For the podcast. Yes. So I think I think our next episode is going to be a wrap up of Boba Fett. I know we don't review Boba Fett or any of the live action in real time, but I think both of us have been pretty affected by the seven-episode miniseries of Book of Boba Fett, and it lines up well with a transition for us. And so we're going to review, just talk about, not even a review, but just talk about our impressions of Boba Fett in live action Star Wars, sort of the Mandoverse. Yeah, I normally... I. I usually get up around five o'clock to go run, but these past few weeks, like Wednesday morning, I'll wake up at two and then three and then, and then I can't get back to sleep. So I end up watching it and holy cow, there's always been something that's just crazy bananas. Like episode two, Blacker Sandin, this episode, Cad Bane, Luke Skywalker, Grogu, Ahsoka, that, that we were just talking a little bit before we recorded that Cad Bane was that Cad Bane scene was perfect. It was a callback to every Western, maybe like Mad Max, where just person's just like coming out of the out yeah. of the desert. Yeah, it's exactly that. So, and, so I think I think we're gonna do post season finale, series finale of Book of Boba Fett. We're gonna do a episode where we just sit down and bullshit about it mm-hmm. an hour. Let, Get, hey, let me ask you this thing. Yeah. And sorry, I will get back to it. So the episode was, uh, what was the official name of the episode? Stranger Out of the Desert? Yeah. So Something like that. Something like that. So I saw that. Oh, interesting. And the first scene was, spoiler again, Cobb, Cobb Vanth. So I'm thinking, oh, that's it. Threw me completely off guard for when Cad Bane showed up at the end. When I finally saw who it was coming, that's that was a dark figure in the nights, and they could finally make out the hat. Was, oh fuck, that's Cad Bane! Yeah, it so so completely it's from, shocked me. From from the desert comes a stranger. Is the name mm-hmm. of the episode? Yeah, because I thought they were talking about Cad. Or sorry, I thought they were talking about Cobb Van because they as the the misdirection. 
So I was just like, oh yeah, whatever. I it's, you know, it's I, I figured out what they mean. It's gorgeous storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Because I was watching. I've watched it four times now, but I watched it once with my kids, and the second they show Cad Bane coming out, my older son. The boy says, who's that? Is it Cad Bane? That's yeah. what he said. My son had a similar thing where we're watching it. We didn't get, he didn't get to watch it till tonight because of, because of homework. Well, we were watching it and he's saying, I could just, I'm kind of watching. And then I kind of glance over at him because he's sitting next to me and watching. And then he's just like, as soon as it becomes apparent who it is, he's just like, oh my God. He doesn't rec- He doesn't remember the name off the top of his head, but he knows exactly who that is, and he was yeah. flipping out. Yeah, and so so my kids, my kids were both, the older kid especially, it's just like, is that Cad Bane? And then when they showed the boots with the bullets around his ankle, mm-hmm. or the cartridges around his ankle, my my older son, the boy, he was just, I knew it. It was Cad Bane. He's like from the shape of the jacket. I was like, yes, you're fucking, yeah. you're fucking on board, right? Yeah. I when I first saw it, I I saw him coming out, of the, and I was like, you're doing it, Filoni's landing it. He's he's gonna say Cad Bane, but we'll talk more about it next week. The man in black thing. It could have been even if it wasn't Cad Bane, even if it was just some rando that we've never seen before. The fact that it was the man in black walking into town, yes, to confront the sheriff, yes. or in this case, the marshal. That is so fucking just spaghetti western shit the whole thing is fucking western it's just right? wild it's 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 a perfect role for oliphant right yeah I mean, because it's like kind of... like think it through right it's yeah. a fucking perfect it's such a clint eastwood line think it through yeah he's been t- he's been typecast but in a good way i i think for me it's to our benefit or else it would have been josh Demel who looks exactly like him uh, <laughs> But the fact that he plays... I'm, I'm you know, super like, happy it's Timmy, Timothy Oliphant rather than yeah. Josh Mill. <laughs> yeah, I've watched all of Justified, and Justified is... It's majority of Justified is great, and his character is great. And he, he's kind of got that, I don't know, maybe typecast a little bit as as a kind of like a law enforcement character. But he also has a very good... Like, he's got a good comedic side from what I've seen in The Santa Clarita Diet. But his character from episode one of um, season two of The Mandalorian... To seeing him in the first part of this this episode, to him facing down Cad Bane, he's been a cool character up until right near the end of the episode, where all of a sudden he realizes that it's gonna go bad. It's gonna go real bad. Even and even it does him, even him knowing that that his deputy's gonna fuck it up, he's still protecting his deputy. Mm-hmm. And I don't. We gotta. We gotta have like a a real sit down conversation about this, and so that's what next week is gonna be. But all of our, and I will likely rewatch all of Boba Fett in the next week, leading up to the finale. But post finale, we're gonna sit down. We're gonna talk about the whole thing. It's been a relatively controversial show, and I don't understand why. Yeah. It is well, Star Wars to me. It's the, it's the sequel. It's the sequel trilogy all again because Boba Fett's name is in it. They're expecting him to be in it constantly. Yeah, and but it, and I think you understand. You and I have a have a twenty year history of hanging out and understanding each other. I don't give a shit. I, I am wildly excited about what's happening. Yeah, if they use it as a launching point off for tons of other stuff, even a Boba Fett show or a fucking crime show or. We we are, we are we are literally getting Luke's Jedi Academy. If it's a Pell Motto Motti show, well I don't know. I would, I would fucking watch it. 
yeah I, I mean okay i'll watch it but i won't be excited about it well, i'll make you watch it we'll make you and, root and, you know, let, watching her let watching her let jawas root through her dumpster <laughs> i like amy sedaris i like strangers with candy that she's amazing that, that, you, that show amazing. was so fucked up <laughs> She's amazing. She has done nothing but inject joy into Star Wars and and take the piss out of it in a way. Mm-hmm. Stop being so fucking serious all the time. Yeah. It is it's, it is as smooth as a banth, Bantha's like ball sack or whatever the fuck yeah. she says. Yeah, it's just like the whole like geo thing. Have fun if have fun with it, but it can it can be serious. There's times to be serious. And there's times just like yeah, it can be fun. Because you get her talking about dating a Jawa. The rooting through her dumps or, or whatever. But then you also, in that same moment, you get to see Beggar's Canyon. You get to see Din Djarin fly through Beggar's Canyon. Beggar's Canyon that Luke you have... talked about yeah. from, from the very first Star Wars movie that everybody's been wondering, what's Beggar's Canyon? 20 minutes later, you see Din Djarin standing on a hill with Ahsoka, literally crying, saying, I want to see Grogu, and Ahsoka talking him out of it to adhere to their cult rules. That is fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. If if you want to have 15 minutes of Amy Sedaris talking about nonsense before that, this is Star Wars, guys. Star Wars is supposed to be silly and heavy. It's supposed yeah. to be funny. It's supposed to be... Yeah, there is a great character. I don't think that they would introduce him in Book of Boba Fett because he's also a Duros. So there, there might be like some confusion. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking about the, the Battlefront character? Ba- yeah, I'm just looking up his name. He is so fucking funny because he, he's Lando's right-hand man. And... He just he's a complainer, but he's fucking funny as shit. And, and it's, it adds it adds that Star Wars element to it where it's serious. But then you've got this guy. He's just being he's just being such a fucking downer, but he's funny about it. That sort of thing. I love sometimes the droid stuff doesn't hit so much, but there's always been comedy in Star Wars. And I think they've gotten better at it. And, and sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. The Amy Sedaris stuff I find pretty funny. The character oh. from Battlefront, I find fucking funny. I think I think they're hitting more than they're missing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the cartoons, there's always been some comedic stuff. Chopper, Chopper was always funny. There's, Chopper's always doing stupid shit. The geo shit. There, there's God. the K two S O right where he says, "Congratulations, you're being rescued." It's perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a geode action figure, and I'm gonna do that by walking out into my front yard, <laughs> grabbing a piece of gravel, <laughs> and then mailing it. <laughs> Here you go, geode action figure. All right. Do you want to end it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should, probably should. Um, yeah, thank you, we, listeners, for sticking with us. Yeah, we've been talking for a while, but we're, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do another one next week, and we're gonna get back on a. We're gonna get on a good schedule for editing and releasing these things. So <laughs> run it out, Jamie. All right. Well, okay. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. We don't advertise this thing at all because we don't. Doesn't make us any money. We just do it just as a reason to talk about Star Wars and hang out. So, if you like the episode, feel free to rate us on the whatever podcasting app you got. Please give us a five because for whatever reason, things only count towards fives. And if you hate us, let somebody you know, like your uh, racist father-in-law or weird uncle. Let them know that there's a great podcast they should listen to because they're a piece of shit, right? So anyways, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with talk about the end of the Book of Boba Fett. 
Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da